0: Now, on the Trump side, we didn't know there was some violence. How significant was the violence on the Trump
1: side? Well, it certainly can't be denied. Some of the locales where there was some instigation, but uh, there was clearly enough trouble from Trump supporters uh, because it's caught on security video where things were hurled at the police, pieces of furniture, a 16-foot Aluminum ladder was, they tried to use as a battering ram. Where does a 16-foot aluminum ladder come from? On the Capitol grounds during a protest. Uh, Never quite figured that one out. You saw mops and whisk brooms and uh, office desk drawers, uh, large plastic garbage cans and a a stereo speaker, a fairly heavy one, hurled in at the police. We do
0: know that normal normal riots often have projectiles thrown. We've seen BLM and Antifa riots with firebombs, Molotov cocktails, you know, of course, bricks, other objects like that. Was there anything that severe at this protest?
1: There were no incendiaries thrown. Uh, They did uh, arrest a fellow who had brought Molotov cocktails up within a block of the Capitol but then didn't do anything with them.
0: So of all the Trump supporters, I mean, what was the worst thing that we saw of violence on behalf of the Trump side?
1: There was a line of police uh, that were below a concrete barrier and they were climbing over. The police were moving out and climbing over and uh, a man at least wearing Trump's gear, I believe was a Trump supporter, he took a running start and put his shoulder into the back of this police officer with full force and the police officer went head over heels and landed. I think he was caught by his colleagues who were down below, but it, it was, I'm sure that could have caused an injury and the video is quite shocking. So that was clearly just wanton violence. This was not a reaction to anything. It's very clear. You can see he stops, seems to be making a conscious decision and then it wasn't a sprint, but it was a pretty good gallop before he made contact.
0: Now, aside from him, were actions like what this individual carried out, were they representative of the rest of the crowd? Was anything like that common?
1: No, I don't believe so. I think your typical uh, rally goer that day, even the ones that went over to the Capitol, uh, were more curious than anything. Now, certainly enough of them got riled up when you're you're having projectiles fired into your midst. But that particular incident, you did not see a large number of those things, uh, and I believe they have they have arrested all of the people because it's pretty pretty easy to spot because. Uh, when those things are done uh, on video. So, uh, but I think overall it was a, s- a small percentage of the people that were there, which is why you were hearing people saying, I was there and I didn't I didn't see any of this stuff. And of
0: course, violence on January 6th was not limited to just fighting and riot control.
2: I think that's significant because I remember people saying that they was there and it was peaceful, it was quiet, you know, they, they did not encounter the stuff that these other people sent. Um, mm-hmm. that, that, that happened, but it was because it was going on in different areas. And I think whoever these people are who started this intentionally tried to get the areas that they thought the majority of the President Trump people were going to be at so it could mm-hmm. make them look the worse and, and look the baddest. Wow. The, the, the whole the whole process you know that they, that they've been going through to try to discredit anyone who supports trump if you, if you look at the lawyers you look at the people who have been helping him all along they've done everything they can to try to embarrass them um, some of them are sitting in jail some of them have been made to confess things that they didn't do in order in order to uh, make the make the whole thing look bad and it's just we don't want a country to, to do this ever. You know, this is what we left when we left England. When, you know, when we, when we got rid of the queen and the king of England and became our own country, this, these are the type of things that they were doing to us and here it is coming back around full circle circle where we're doing it to our people. And this, this isn't right. Wow. What do you think the goal is here? separation and division and 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 it's it's aimed at bringing in the antichrist spirit into the united states in its fullness Mm -hmm. nobody likes to hear about the antichrist spirit but it's this is exactly what it is this is all a, a part of the plan to take the united states down make us into nothing so that you know our position on the world scene changes to a a negative position where nobody wants to even uh, acknowledge that we exist.
3: (laughs) Yeah, there was a a black, um, there was an African prophet that he said he doesn't really visit America. He's not tied to America. He doesn't owe America anything. But God spoke to him and said if he would have let Hillary Clinton be president, America would have been destroyed. He basically understood that he was going to get come against. And he said, "I really don't care. I don't owe America nothing." He said, "I'm just telling you what God said." And he said that um, um, Hillary Clinton has a Jezebel, you know, a Jezebel spirit, and something else was going on. I can't remember, but he got, you know, he put that message out there as a warning to tell us now's the time to open your eyes. And everybody fought. Against what everybody has said and it was really unfortunate because you tried to warn the people Mm -hmm. You try to tell them to go out and vote You try to tell them if they could put aside his personality Which I which I've shared with my viewers many times that he wasn't designed to be a punk (laughs) So you know um (laughs) <laughs> they didn't want to hear that, and and you know you, you get attacked, and you're like, hey, I, I I'm sorry, I'm not going to apologize for knowing the truth, but at the same time, it was such a demonic um uh re- yeah. response. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, you have to be of God when the whole witchcraft community stands up and says, we're going to be praying against you, and yes. they did. It after he won. They stood yes. up. They wore those vagina headsets and they were walking around the Capitol <laughs> proclaiming they're evil and that they were they were gonna target him and, and get him. It's 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 unreal.
3: Even the church people, even the church people were like, We're standing on the side of the Democrats who now don't get me wrong, I say this all the time. Um they're a good i don't say this all the time let me let me not say that but there are good democrats out there that i believe but they believe what we believe but so because, that, because, that. <laughs> because they are so oh, loaded.
2: i tried to tell my wife that there's trump democrats and she was like everybody should just be a republican and i was like you got to get everybody on both sides
0: in the aftermath of january 6th. Four police officers who were present that day committed suicide. Yet there were also people who died that day. After the incidents on January 6th, one of the first stories that a lot of the media were reporting was this Officer Sicknick, they reported, had been beaten to death by protesters using, I believe, a fire extinguisher. What was the real story with Officer Sicknick?
1: Well, the real story is his death was ruled by the medical examiner. as uh, from natural causes. Uh, he had a stroke. and. Um, There was no fire extinguisher thrown at his head, but we continue to hear this, used even in prosecutions. And our own president uh, over this recent weekend at a commencement said the rioters killed two police on January 6th.
0: They're saying two police now. Who is the other police officer?
1: We'd have to ask him. Uh, but these things just keep being repeated. We've even seen this brought up in court hearings, and a couple times we've had defense attorneys speak up and say, whoa, wait a minute, that's not true. Uh, Four people died January 6th. They were all Trump supporters. Officer Sicknick died the next day, and his case um, was not a result of being struck with any object.
0: So just to review then, Five deaths total from January 6th. Officer Sicknick appeared to die afterwards from health complications. We know Ashley Babbitt was shot and killed. Roseanne Boyland appeared to have died during the incident, although it was ruled as amphetamines. And then two individuals who had heart attacks or strokes, uh, it appears that it was triggered very likely by munitions that officers had used against
1: them. There certainly could have been. I mean, they were close enough that that, that would be a concern.
4: The worst thing that happened that day was the execution of Ashley Babbitt at near Point Blank Range by Lieutenant Michael Byrd, who was exonerated in any alleged investigation, and the deaths this of the other Trump it's supporters, it's Benjamin up. Phillips, up. Kevin Greeson, and Roseanne Boylan, who died, all three of them, very likely due to excessive police force that day. That's another thing the January 6th Committee and the DOJ are completely burying, so to speak.
1: U.S. Capitol Police Lieutenant, Michael Bird who was off to Ashley's left when she climbed into the window and he was fairly tight into the wall would have been difficult to see that he was there and he has spoken publicly that he warned her you know he yelled at her to stop you cannot hear that on any of the audio it would be arguably very difficult because the the crowd noise coming from that hallway it was a din it was very loud but he had his gun trained on her as soon as he appears in the frame in the video. You know, it's not just, is drawn and he's in shooting stance. And then he advances forward and lunges, and then he fires at her and strikes her in the in the left shoulder. In the speaker's lobby, which is a fairly large space with marble columns, behind one of the columns, it was probably 15, 20 feet uh, from where Lieutenant Byrd was, there was another officer who at almost the same instant as Lieutenant Byrd, drew his weapon into firing position, so he had trained on Ashley Babbitt coming through the window. Uh, it did not fire as far as we know. You know, it. The video was shot through cracked glass, so it's very difficult to to get complete details but it's very clear he raises his weapon into firing position and then Lieutenant Byrd fires quite shortly after that and as far as we know then he he drew down and did not did not fire but there was a second officer by the stance he took prepared to fire on her. It's hard to approximate the
5: distance but it would appear to be some eight to ten feet away from where she was coming through the window at which time uh, Lieutenant Byrd produced his Glock firearm and fired once without a safe backdrop because there were officers behind her and other innocent persons behind her, striking her whereupon she fell to the floor, mortally wounded. Lieutenant did not go forward and handcuff Ashley Babbitt and administer first aid.
2: So I think this is a point that I was getting ready to try to make. This, this expert here talks about things that the police are supposed to do if they really are doing with, doing their job. So if you're doing your job of crowd dispersal, crowd removal, and you're firing these munitions, you heard him talk about that earlier, and the people move, your job is done. But if you fire these munitions, you shoot the tear gas, and the person doesn't move, then you as the officer are supposed to go in and arrest the person, get them, take them away, and move them on to the next part of the process. This officer, therefore, is out of the picture, out of the scene. It's clear that these officers that are talked about here on this documentary, they didn't do any of those steps whatsoever. So, when he's talking about this shooting, and how he just shot this woman, the officer's next duty is to go and put her in handcuffs, and then start giving her uh, first aid, trying to render any type of aid whatsoever. He never did that. So that right there so tells you that there's something off about this officer.
3: Well, you know what he's going to say, or what people are going to say. Um, he was afraid. He didn't know who was outside of the doors. How could he be like afraid?
2: How come that other officer didn't shoot? Uh, and it's probably a dumb question for me to say how could he be afraid, but if 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 he was that afraid, he only shot what one time, two times, and he didn't Once. go disperse the rest of the crowd. He didn't go and check on her, so he he shot and just cowered. That doesn't make any sense. Well, it was still people around. What about that didn't How come they both didn't team up together and say, you got my back, I got
3: yours, and we're going to go pull her out of this crowd. Go ahead. That's That's true. That's true. If you really look in that clip, it was a third person in there that looked like he didn't, he wasn't afraid at all. He had a three-piece suit on, walking slow down there as if I know he had to see people at the door, the windows cracked. I know he had to see two oh, police officers. Sticking out of the, the, the doors yes. or whatever. So yep. he was chilling though. Like he was on the phone, like, yeah, this is just another day. Don't make so, yeah, they did they did a lot of wrong and I was surprised because um this is the first time that I've heard that the police was responsible for the majority of the the chaos yes i I have never heard this before so when i opened it this morning i'm like oh my gosh are you serious and then seeing this live footage of what they were doing you know of course it was planted people in there but even the fact still nobody had told that one guy in the very beginning you're doing stuff wrong you need to go sit down somewhere You know, they were just, like, going on like everybody was okay.
2: Nope. Dangerous.
5: Yeah. Uh, he withdrew. He's out of the picture. There was an additional officer who withdrew his weapon, again pointing it in a direction that was not a safe backdrop, but did not fire. So there's a discrepancy between the need of the lieutenant to fire when another officer didn't fire with the same circumstances in order for lethal force to be authorized the officer must be able to articulate that he or she was in fear of it losing his life was about to be killed or grievously injured there is nothing i saw in that film that would indicate that that was possible or probable uh, from what unfolded uh, lastly I am not aware of any firearms discharge report being written. And I'm not aware of any conclusion that stated uh, that he was exonerated based on uh, a thorough internal affairs investigation, including the Graham v. Connor litmus test. The first thing that would happen immediately upon uh, a discharge of firearms would be, as I said, this now is a crime scene and the lieutenant should have closed on the person that he shot, handcuffed that individual to prevent recovery and necessitating a weapon. Next thing, apply first aid and immediately that area should have been taped off, sealed off. It becomes a crime scene and should await the response of the crime scene investigation unit who would photograph the positions, the measurements, the forensics involved with the discharge of the firearm. A subsequent uh, discharge of firearms report would be required to be written by uh, Lieutenant Byrd. He would be placed on administrative leave with pay. His badge and ID card and firearm would be taken. uh, And an internal affairs investigation would begin. Investigation is concluded. That would go to the office of the chief of police, who would make a disposition. In the case uh that he he as the um as the chief would have to make i was shocked that the department of justice issued a three paragraph uh response to this horrific event Um, based on the fact that they included in their language
3: I'm not shocked. You know why? Because they've been getting away with this for a long time. If you listen to those congressional hearings and meetings, these people that are in these positions that are supposed to be servants to the American people, they have now adopted the mentality where they do not and they will not make them um, go forth to say anything. Yeah. Like, they, they will... Act like they're going to uh they can't say anything because of the case and all of this other stuff. It's like they just they're using that to basically not turn in paperwork, not um uh, be held responsible for the knowledge that they know. They may not have committed a crime to the degree that you know the other person has, but they know about it and they will not say anything. It's
2: so what- all about responsibility to do the right thing say it again where's the person's responsibility to do the right thing
3: That that's gone that's gone and this is why we need the fear of the Lord I'm telling you I'm hoping that God does something that will turn some things upside down because there is no fear in the Lord. you know in the Lord
5: Uh, the Graham v. Connor uh, litmus test, which is objective reasonableness. Clearly, from in any way, this was not objectively reasonable. And to use that language in defense of Lieutenant Byrd shows a conscious disregard for the facts as to how they came to that conclusion. Lieutenant Byrd's refusal to be interviewed uh, after requesting his lawyer, which never occurred.
6: Are you willing to give us a statement to I would prefer to have a lawyer present under under the uh, the information that you just provided, That is perfectly understandable and I
3: will not ask you to provide a statement today. I will ask you that when you do secure counsel, uh, you have my business card and my
5: contact information on them. If you'd have them reach out to me to... uh, are to provide a statement or appropriate? Yes, sir. He has a duty and a responsibility to be lie the department to lie him, to which requires that he answer their questions in an internal affairs investigation or face termination for refusing to answer. He has no right to withhold an answer. My conclusion was that, based on what I saw and observed in the video clip, that Ashley Babbitt was murdered Amen. she was shot and killed under color of authority Amen. by an officer who violated not only the law but his oath and committed an arrestable offense
4: what happened to Ashley Babbitt um, she never in the to happen anywhere else in the country let alone have the identity the name of the police officer involved have his name concealed from the public What is
3: that? That report says something about her entering in through the window. If I'm not mistaken. All right, stop that real quick. When Missus Babbitt entered through the broken window and entered and entered the inner protected area. wearing a backpack and refusing the verbal commands of multiple armed federal officers with weapons drawn. The threat she posed was clear And Lieutenant Byrd as the first officer in the final line of defense was absolutely justified in his use of force. Did she actually enter through the window? Because if that's the case, how did she fall backwards into the arms or on the ground?
2: The video showed that she was she probably got her hand
3: through, her whole body wasn't through yet. Exactly. But doesn't it sound like they're saying that she entered into the it window? Already on the other side. Yeah.
2: And with all that noise, if he did say, Stop or I'll shoot, how's she gonna hear it? You're in you're in an enclosed area, people are yelling, screaming, the the it's marble walls. You know all of that stuff just vibrates and reverberates and echoes how can you clearly understand if somebody's telling you just to stop
3: yeah
4: i agree what happened to ashley babbitt um, would not be allowed to happen anywhere else in the country let alone have the identity the name of the police officer involved have his name concealed from the public for months um, that just never happens. Another case of the he media... People doing all Congress of that. With Congress. That, that's what's happening with people uh, who, you know, are are guilty of a crime. Everyone's seen
0: the video, I think, where Ashley Babbitt was shot, but what's not paid attention to is how she got through this window and exactly what happened. And there are these really suspicious individuals. What is suspicious about these individuals in the scene?
1: Well, the number of them to begin with, uh, Ashley Babbitt, when she made her way up to the window, she was surrounded by people who fit that definition. In her immediate vicinity surrounding her, there were probably three or four.
0: Three or four suspicious actors and 20 suspicious actors total in that room, in that
1: area and one of them who was an instigator zachary Alam, he was the one bashing the window with with a black helmet and he knocked out several window panes and ashley babbitt kind of had a running spar with him she was screaming at him to stop she stepped forward and she punched him in the face
0: ashley babbitt tried to stop this individual then you're saying
1: she did she got after the police officers who were there why aren't you stopping this you know and you know, she's been portrayed as a as a rioter, as a seditionist, uh, but it's very clear in the video and the audio that she was uh, very upset and trying to stop what was happening because they were bashing in the glass and the doors that lead to the uh, speaker's lobby and right onto the house floor. And then when she, and her husband is totally convinced that when she does the, the punch to Zachary Alam, she had decided that she needed to escape from that hallway. That it had gotten scary, the conditions, the SWAT team was coming up the stairs, and she was afraid of crowded places. That, so she decided, I have to get out of here. When she climbed up in the window, there were two suspicious actors, one on either side of her. We don't have a clear enough video angle to see if either one of them pushed her up into the window or helped her into the window, uh, but they were in that position on either side of her. And then when she was shot and fell back, again, these same several suspicious actors were right around her when she fell and was laying So it raises all sorts of questions. Did they, what role did they have? How did they all get there at the same time along with all these other people?
0: Another suspicious point with all this is one of the individuals who breaks this glass is, is communicating with another one. We can watch them in the video. And then as the SWAT team is moving up the stairs, this individual goes back down the stairs and looks like he's changing
1: his clothes. Zachary Alam did that. When he saw Ashley had been shot, he realized it. Uh, you can see on the video, he physically responds. He almost jumps back. And the look of horror, he was genuinely terrified. It certainly, certainly seemed to be, even though he had created the conditions that led to that uh, by, by the violence with the helmet and the, the smashed glass. And he did. Uh, he did go down the stairs and did not come back up. But there were a number of people on the stairs that we haven't been able to identify, and also haven't been charged, and who were familiar enough with the police to to go up to them and say things or pat them on the back. Who they are, we you know we still haven't uh, figured out. But for that many unidentified people to be in a space where there was a fatality like that, uh, you know, it, it it goes to our longer list of burning questions."
0: News outlets have tried framing Ashley Babbitt as having not been a peaceful protester and House Democrats have painted her killer as a hero. Yet video evidence tells a very different story of her and of her death. Who was Ashley Babbitt? We met with her husband Aaron Babbitt in San Diego to learn more.
6: Ashley just loved life. She loved herself. Nobody loved Ashley more than her. I mean, she just woke up every day wanting to take on the world and, you know, never had a task that she didn't want to conquer. And the harder it was, the more she wanted to fight for it. She loved her dogs. I mean, we had three dogs. I've lost all three of them since January 6th. It's been a rough 18, 19 months. What
0: happened on January 6th? I understand you were not there. She went, what, what was kind of the, what did you hear from her and why she wanted to go? We
6: were sitting on the beach in Cabo. It was Christmas day. She was looking at her phone and she said, President Trump's having a, um, a speech uh, January 6th. And I really think I want to go, um, you know, cause it might be the last time I get to him talk, hear him talk or at least, you know, for another four years. And I kind of shrugged it off, laughed it laugh, off, because you know we had already been on vacation. We shut our business down for two weeks between Christmas and New Year's. And but when Ashley has her mindset on something, she's gonna do it. And that's the relationship we had. You know, I was we always wanted the other to do what made them happy.
0: Yeah. So why did why did you decide not to go as well? Oh, I mean, we have a
6: business. I was not political at that point. The Aaron sitting in front of you on January 5th is completely Aaron, errand, different Aaron sitting in front of you now. I was just well over politics, that was more her thing. And obviously, I, you know, I voted and supported for President Trump, and I will again, but it just wasn't my thing. She was having the best day of her life, and you could see that. She put on a Definitely Facebook Live there. video there of her walking down the, the, the inaugural There's path. the way to the Capitol, and she specifically says that I just got to see President Trump speak, and I can tell you as big of a fan she was and a supporter, that she would never leave until he was fully out of sight.
0: Now, did you receive any messages from her when she was in the Capitol building? Yeah, I mean, I got a couple texts, but
6: it was just, you know, I'm inside the Capitol, and I was looking at like, yo, what? And I turned my TV on real quick. Everybody was inside the house chamber just going about their own business. And I remember taking a picture of my TV and going, they don't look very concerned.
0: When the news that she was shot came out, what was your reaction?
6: Uh, I watched it live. I was was watching it happen. I had to, out here in California, we were still heavily locked down for COVID. I had to make a gym uh, reservation and I had a short day that day. So I got home at like 11.30 our time. Um, I got a call somewhere just after 12 saying that uh, it, it was from a person that I really don't talk to. I mean, him and Ashley's wife are really good friends. We're, we're buddies when we're around each other, but that's about it he said that his wife had um, thought that she had seen Ashley on TV and looked like she'd been hurt. There was something about a door or a window. I could hear the tremble in his voice, and I hung the phone up. I walked outside, you know, out into the living room, and I turned my TV on, and the very first image I saw was Ashley laying on the ground. Blood, blood coming out. The lights went off. I collapsed. I came to, there there were people in my house uh, I knew them, but I don't remember them coming in and at that point. I mean, my life really just changed forever. I mean, I had to, my phone started ringing and I'm, you know, thinking, Hey, I'm getting info now and it's, Hey, this is so-and-so from this TV station in San Diego. I are I, I, not who I want to talk to. I'm trying to find out what happened to my wife, you know, and I'm, I have to answer these phone calls. I was bound to the same use of force continuum that those police are in DC. I worked at a security nuclear power plant. I knew the steps, I could spit them out verbatim when I was working there. And I, so I knew that it was a bad shoot and I knew immediately like, hey, something really, really bad just happened from what I saw, but it was probably a span of like a month that I was just terrified. I didn't want to watch it again. What I had seen, it just was so traumatic. I didn't want to watch it happen again. But then I'd like run into random people that I knew, grown men customers, and they'd just be sobbing on my shoulder, and I'm like, I don't think I've really seen it all in, in its entirety. Uh, so I had to make that jump into um, basically watching and looking at every picture that no husband should ever have to look at, but I had to. Because I had to harden my skin, I had to thicken my skin over it. So I got to the point to where I just, I, you know, rip the bandaid off every morning. I'll search Ashley's name on Twitter, I'll read all the bad stuff. I'll, you know, whoever wants to put a picture up, I've already seen it. You know, so it just, I do that and it got me to the point to where nobody can rock me. You know, nobody's gonna say it to my face, they're not gonna, you know, it's just, that's just how it is.